quick recap as to where we've been. Um, so we're looking at Loving Without Agenda, we're on to part six today. Um, but where we've gone over the past, um, it's probably about seven or eight weeks because we did a couple of weeks of introduction. Um, what we've looked at is, is the different kind of dynamics and types of relationships that we have and looked at how does love um, become driven by agenda in those different situations. So we started off by looking at wider connections, so um, our neighbours uh, and our colleagues, so the people that we have more, more kind of um, the wider connections in life with. Uh, then we looked at close connections, so what about um, our friends um, and those closest to us? How does agenda sometimes sneak in and change the kind of parameters of what love uh, looks like and what's required in the loving relationship. And then last week, Becky talked about loving yourself, um, which is very much the kind of core connection. Um, and agenda, the kind of the whole idea that agenda, when it creeps into our expectations of ourselves, what we want uh, ourselves to be, how we should uh, function and operate, comparing ourselves to other people, all those different kind of things, agenda can come in and spoil that relationship as well. So we're kind of wrapping up core today by looking at our relationship with God. So how does uh, how do we end up uh, loving God with an agenda at times? Uh, and then the final two weeks um, we'll be moving on to looking at our distant connections. So we've kind of gone from, from wider to close to the core and then we're going to look at actually considering all that stuff, how does it then change our more distant connections? We arrive at part six today looking at the second piece of the core um, so as loving ourselves is one part of the core, but loving God, if we can get that bit right, is another kind of core part of our um, of, of way we can become love and um, make a difference to the people. So each week we've looked at how we can consider our unique role in each of those situations. So if we think about our role, our role and our relationship with God, um, if you if you've had a situation where you've encountered God in your life. Um, once you've had that kind of experience, it often gives you a perspective that changes things. Often there's this enlightenment, this realisation, this revelation of, wow, there's something bigger in this universe than just me. And when we've had that connection, it can change our perspective. Um, and when we feel that connection with God, whether it's something that happened a long time ago or happens regularly or was more recent, whenever it is for you, there is this general sense of a realisation of the importance of that connection in order to enable you to live a life that's really fulfilled. Now, people can live a full, like a fulfilled life without that connection, but once you've tasted um, a connection with God and an encounter with God, you get an insight into, wow, if, if I can have this, um, this is why I suppose we become Christians and we make an effort to keep growing in our relationship with God. Because once we've experienced God and encountered him, um, it does give us a new dimension and a new dynamic to the way life can be. So it adds that new dimension. And when God is involved, uh, involved in our life, we can find a deeper purpose and motivation for the things that we do. It'd be unfair to say that without a relationship with God, people have no purpose, because that's not true. There's some absolutely amazing people. Um, there's some absolutely amazing people in the world who have an unbelievable purpose and a passion and a drive and a motivation and make a difference to loads of people's lives and have no connection with God. 
So we've got to be real about that. We can't just say, oh, you only have true purpose if you connect with God. People do have purpose in life. But, but I suppose what we're saying is when you have a realisation of, of God's love for you and his interest in you and, and um, I suppose his passion for you doing the things that you can do, it adds this new dimension that, that transforms so much to do with our lives. And, and ultimately it takes um, our eyes off ourselves and fixes them on him and, and gives us this whole new, real healthy um, motivation. So that's what it can be like when we do have a connection with him. Um, But sometimes without that connection with God, people can sometimes feel there's an emptiness. Not everyone would say there is, but some people would describe there being uh, an emptiness. When I was leading Alpha, um, they used to um, have a a quote from Prince Charles. uh, And he says this, for all of the advantages of science, there remains deep in the soul a persistent and unconscious anxiety that something is missing. And often when you when you talk to people, especially people who are going through a bit of a crisis or wondering what their life's all about, when you begin to talk to them, there'll often be this sense of there being a void or a hole or something missing in someone's life. And uh, I, I came across a, a really interesting prayer by St. Augustine. Uh, and this is part of what the prayer says. It says, Lord, you have made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find until they find their rest in you and in a way when I, I read something like that it almost feels like if if god is the creator of life and the giver of life did it make sense that we're almost designed to be connected to the creator and to god um and and as a result, there will be this sense of, as St. Augustine says, there will be this sense of restlessness in us until we find that connection with God and ultimately find that rest in him. And I don't know how it, it works for you guys, whether you ever feel like that or whether you just kind of the momentum of life just carries on and you just keep going. And, and maybe this isn't stuff that you consider, but actually our core connection with God is one of the most transformative things that can happen in our lives. And if we can get it right, it's not about it needing to overtake and dominate everything and meaning that we never think about anything else. But actually, if we can get it right, to me, that the beauty of it is it works perfectly in tandem with everything else we've got to do. It's not a case of giving up everything else in order to just follow God. Um, I know there's a, there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus talks about that with someone who's asking, what do I need to do in order to do this? I think what it looks like in our lives is, is God being so ingrained in the way that we do life that it transforms everything. So he is a part of all things. Um, but it's not a case of, oh, I can't be myself anymore. Yes, you can be yourself, but you can be the best version of you because God is completely um, is completely included and involved in all aspects of who you are. And to me, that's what fulfillment looks like. And we get a deeper sense of fulfillment um, when we have those kind of connections. So that's our kind of unique role with God. If we can find that connection and 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 really um, build on that and develop that relationship, then we have the potential to be everything that, that he um, intended us to be. But what about agenda? What does it look like when agenda creeps in to our relationship with God? And I don't know whether you've ever thought about this as a concept, that, that the idea that we could have an agenda that we put onto that relationship, that we have requirements and we have 
um, terms and conditions that that override how that relationship should work. Which, when we talk about it exclusively, like this, it seems a bit weird because you're like, man, am I confident enough to put terms and conditions on my relationship with God? Now, it might not be that we've we've officially done it, but sometimes they can creep in, um, and and become part of how it functions. Other times the reality is agenda doesn't creep in. What sometimes happens is your initial foundation and the way that you establish your relationship with God, sometimes our agenda is in there from the beginning and our requirements of what it needs to look like and how it needs to work are there from the beginning. So sometimes it's not something that creeps in. And I suppose the question is, let's think about um, what God is there to do for you. And think about you and him. What is he there to do for you? Maybe you're thinking that he's there to provide for you. Uh, what about whether he's someone who will fix things? So we, we pray, don't we? We ask God to, to help us in certain situations. We would love it if he fixed things. What about we've got a decision to make and we want him to guide us? So he's gonna, we, we, we need him. We need that kind of involvement from him. What about us facing problems we need him to step in and solve problems that we have no answer for and and uh, we've probably all been in situations where something dreadful has happened or something uncertain is in front of us and we ask God to step in and perform a miracle when we think about God's role from our perspective those kind of things become the natural things that we're requiring wanting to provide for us fix things guide us solve problems perform miracles there's nothing wrong with these things. And the reality is, as we look at that, there are times when we can look back, probably for each of us in our lives, we can look back and see times where God has completely shown up and done those things for us. And that's, in a way, one of the most special things about a relationship with God, that we can look back over our history and see different times that, that he provided for us. Maybe it was a financial need that you, you were sat in front of a situation and you needed, some, you needed something to change and you asked God to step in and an envelope came through the door and it was a complete gift of God. I've had it happen uh, a couple of times just when we're at that point where we just don't know how we're going to get through this particular situation. This financial miracle happened and it completely um, solved the problem. It fixed things for us. Um, and maybe there's different things. Maybe it's a guidance thing. Maybe there was a time where you you just were completely lost as to what you should do, where you should go, how you should approach a particular situation. And you you included God and asked him to to make a way clear. And you felt like a path completely opened up in front of you. Uh, maybe it's a, it was a, a straightforward miracle prayer. You needed you had a problem. There was a health thing or something like that where you prayed and, and something changed. I've got so many friends over the years. You've got stories of, of, of all sorts of different things that have happened where something changed in an instant. And the only answer is that God stepped in and performed a miracle in those moments. And, and those things are amazing. And they become the foundation of, of often of what inspires us to keep going forward. And, and the thing that reminds, of us, reminds us of who God is in our lives. But there's also times when it feels like God doesn't show up in the way that you'd hope that he would. And the problem is, as you get older, sometimes the balance, the percentage balance of how many times God steps in and changes the situation, sometimes the percentage balance gets less 
as you get older. And we see these amazing moments where he does step in, but we have that mystery of he's not stepped in, he's not done. Not necessarily just what I asked for, but sometimes it's just what you hoped would happen in a particular particular situation. And there's so many things, whether it's a provision thing and you had to go and get that loan that you didn't want to have to get to solve a problem and, and things didn't get fixed or, or you really wanted God to just open up a particular pathway for you and there just seemed like there was never a clear option. You just had to choose between different things and maybe problems or health things didn't get solved and didn't um, change in the way that you desperately wanted them to. And it's, and it's sad, isn't it, to hit situations where uh, and we can all think of people that we know we've prayed for and didn't get better. And it's those kind of times where it becomes really difficult in our loving relationship with God, sometimes to even make sense of how does this thing work? Because there are times when you've stepped in and done the most amazing things. But there are also times where it just seems like the world kept turning and sad things happened and difficult things happened. And I suppose we can feel in that moment where it becomes difficult to manage that thought process or understand what on earth is going on. We can feel like we can have a million different questions. Um, and when we ask God, when we get into a situation where we ask God those questions, we can even get to the point where we go, does he even love me? Does he even love me if he's not going to do that? Um, or, or you've done this in the past. Why didn't you do that this time? Um, and, and sometimes we can be as straightforward as thinking, but I, I thought, God, I thought you wanted me to be happy. Um, and if you'd done this for me, then it would have really made me happy. And I suppose the big question is, does God's failure to step in at certain times means that he loves us less? And the reality is, of course, the answer is no. But sometimes it feels like that's the particular uh, way of, of working. That sometimes that's the way we feel about a situation. But I suppose when we think of the role of a parent, uh, for those of us who, who uh, are trying to, to raise kids or, or have um, maybe successfully raised children, or you just look at the way parents work, Sometimes you have to find yourself as a parent in a situation where you have to step back and allow a situation to unfold where they're just going to learn from something that might be a bit difficult. We looked at a quote a couple of weeks ago uh, which talked about how sometimes um, that protective nature of parents can almost get in the way of children developing and learning about what it's like to fail, what it's like to struggle, what it's like to have a challenge in life. And actually it's those things, it's the failures, the challenges, the struggles in life that actually build resilience and can transform um, children into actual actual people. There was, there was a great quote that ended did something like um, giving them their like the individual ability to self heal and and sort themselves out rather than everything being done for them. Um, and actually, there was something about um, that kind of thought process that that just seems like actually I'm not saying this is a reason why God allows things to happen, but the reality is sometimes as a parent you need to realise that that allowing someone to go through a struggle, um, allowing someone to fail, allowing someone to have their heart broken, as painful as that is, will be one of the things that develops strength and resilience and uh, an ability in that person to be able to cope with whatever happens in life. 
Now, obviously, there's then also those times where you look at it and go, man, um, I can't see any reason why you wouldn't step in. And to be honest with you, that is the big mystery for me. I will, for the rest of my life, I will wrestle and struggle with how on earth does God choose when to step in and when not to step in? That is, that will be my eternal wrestle. Um, And I'm happy to sit with that thing unresolved. I don't need an answer for it. Um, But it's the one thing that I think it will always be a mystery. But there's a passage in Romans 8, uh, verses 35 to 39. It says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, uh, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that's the truth, okay? That's the reality, that there's nothing that can happen that can separate us from God's love. Um, But that mystery still remains, doesn't it? How does God choose when to step in and when to leave it? And and I think it's safe if you want to wrestle with that one for the rest of your life. I know that I'm going to. But what we can't control is whether God steps in or not. But, But what we can... Control, and I suppose what we are responsible for is our approach to God in all of this stuff. If you think back to the start of the series, when we talked about how relationships can become really transactional, it can almost feel like we're collecting tickets. Bob Goffin, everybody always tells this story of, of um, going to this restaurant um, where he went with his family all the time. It was a big pizza place and you could play games there. And every time he played the game, you'd win all these tokens. He built up all of these tokens and was really excited about, uh, after I think five years of building up these tokens, he, he took them to the counter and said, what can I redeem these tokens for? Took them to the counter, the counter and it was, he reckoned he had nearly a thousand tokens. And he was like, man, this is going to be amazing. What treat can I get for the family? Uh, he'd really invested time and energy into this stuff. Um, and he, he put the tokens in the machine, there was nearly a thousand, and the guy gave him the prize, and it was a pencil. And you look at it, and, it, and he was just going, man, this is rubbish. I thought that all of this investment, my, my kind of dedication and commitment to this would lead to more than this. My reward is, is not significant or is insufficient for the amount of effort that I've uh, talked about. And he basically challenges this concept that sometimes with love, we make it a transactional relationship that we put in this effort and this energy because we expect something in return. I'm going to read a little excerpt um, from that chapter. Uh, he says this, people in response to this whole concept, he says, people who are becoming love stop collecting tickets. They don't do nice things for Jesus thinking they'll get a bunch of tickets. They can trade someday for an eraser full of grace. This is because they don't think grace is something we can trade good conduct for. They don't take the bait and collect what has no value to God. They shun all the attention because they don't need it anymore. They realise bright lights don't need spotlights. Instead, they see every act of selfless love as a declaration of their faith. They've come to see love as its own reward simply because it pleases God. And I think that becomes the challenge, doesn't it? 
that the whole idea of agenda can creep in and sometimes be in the foundation of our relationship with God. Because what we expect is if I love God, then he loves me in return and he shows me by doing X, Y or Z. And what X, Y or Z is could be all sorts of different things for us. Um, but if we're not careful, agenda can create this sense of entitlement in us that, that because I've loved God, um, that I deserve these things. Maybe you say, well, I've prayed and I've prayed consistently. So as a result, God should come through for me or I've attended regularly these different things or I've served on these teams or I've done these good acts of, of kindness for people. Um, I've tithed. Maybe I've given of my money or my time in order to... Um, to serve God. And sometimes we can look at those things and say, because of my contribution, the, what I require is that reward. Uh, and this is, I suppose, for me, ultimately why I really struggle with the prosperity teaching that often goes on in different places that, that says that, ah, well, if you give, then God, then God will then give you double in return or do this or just give this amount and it will all come back to you. To be honest, it completely shifts the focus of what love is all about. If you're giving because you're expecting this in return, to me, that's such an unhealthy motivation that actually a gift isn't a gift if it's if it's actually a transaction and a requirement, if, if something has to come back in return. And I think that's sometimes the, the trap that we can fall into in our relationship with God, that, that God, I'm prepared to do all these kind of things. But obviously, I've kept my side of the bargain. Now you need to do what's required for me. Um. And actually, you can see how agenda can, be, can begin when we're driven by something, can begin to come in and spoil stuff. So the agenda-driven approach can seriously hinder our connection with God. And often what I find is our agenda with God hinges on how we view the whole idea of faith. How is your faith anchored and, and what is the foundation of it? And right at the beginning of the living room, we talked about this kind of stuff, about, about how faith works for us. And there's three simple kind of pitfalls we can fall into. If our faith is anchored to our feelings, then what happens is as we feel good, um, we, we're on a high in our relationship with God. But when our, um, if it's anchored to our feelings and we feel bad, then when we're struggling with life, when life's difficult, then our relationship with God is down in the pit down in the valley it's a, it's a struggle so what happens is our relationship with God and our faith goes on a roller coaster um, along with our emotions that is it's going up and down good and bad depending on how we're feeling and then our relationship with God or our connection with God or our distance from God um, is is good or bad in comparison to how we're feeling about ourselves or about life because we're, we're attaching God to our feelings and that is the thing uh, that decides how we feel about him. It's never going to work because God, God, God is, is bigger than our feelings. He's outside of our feelings. Uh, the other thing we can sometimes anchor um, our, um, our, our faith and our relationship with God to is outcomes. Uh, and this is where we see it with prayer. If we say, okay, God, facing this situation if you can just come through for me here then um, then we are good and we're going in the right direction but if God doesn't do what you've asked him to then it's an all or nothing thing it's either if he comes through and does what I need and um, then then we're fine but if he doesn't do what I need then I don't even know who he is anymore and I don't want a relationship with him it becomes an all or nothing thing 
Now, I'm not saying this is an easy, an easy one to manage, but it's the reality of, of life that if our faith is anchored to outcomes, if, if God is only brilliant and real and who we think he is when he does exactly what we've asked him to, then actually we're changing the roles, aren't we? We're becoming God because we're deciding everything that needs to go on. And if you've ever had one of those humbling situations where we desperately needed something to happen, um, it might be a trivial thing, it might be um, something quite significant in your life, it might be a life or death thing. Um, sometimes we, we can go through times, I look back and think um, of houses that we tried to buy and then the door completely slammed shut. And yeah, it would have been great. We would have enjoyed life in a slightly bigger, different house, but it would never have led us to this place now. And and you look at those kind of things, sometimes in hindsight, we can see um, that maybe God was doing something brilliant. Maybe you prayed that, that someone would fall in love with you and that you could marry them. Um, and then now, now you look back at it and just go, man, I'm so glad <laughs> that God slammed that door shut because that would have been an absolute nightmare or it wouldn't have led me to the place that I am today. So we can sometimes see that in hindsight, maybe what we've decided in, in the passion of the moment might not have been the best decision for us. But actually, sometimes there's times where that just doesn't work. You look at it and you prayed for someone um, to survive cancer and they didn't those kind of things you sit there and go man there doesn't seem like there's a good flip side to that but but if our faith is anchored to that then it either swells and grows and develops when things are good and he does the things that we need him to or is destroyed by the times where he doesn't step in that faith cannot work if it's on that rise and fall that all or nothing kind of uh, relationship and the other thing sometimes we we attach our faith to is opportunities or gifting that if god has made me a certain person if i get to to do the things that i want to do if the opportunities for me to be um, who god's called me to be for me to use my gifting aren't utilized then i don't know who god is anymore that I'm, I, I can only function as a christian when i'm getting to do this or I'm, I'm given the opportunity to do that. That's when I'm a Christian. That's when my faith is strong. If we're not doing those things, is our identity and our faith so caught up in the need to be uh, released in our gifting that actually when we're not doing that stuff, we basically have no relationship with God? These are the, the pitfalls that we fall into with faith that can really um, make things difficult. Now, for me, the way I've had to try and um, understand faith is to not make it about feelings, outcomes or opportunities. It's to say, actually, how does faith sit outside of all of these things? If faith is something that should be consistent through my life, what does that actually look like? And for me, I developed a thinking around understanding faith like a beam. So um, when, um, when the builders came to do our house and put our big bifold door in the back, they put this massive RSJ uh, lintel above the door to be able to carry the weight of the roof so it could span um i think it's something like um six meters i think it is or five meters um so they needed to be able to carry that weight and they put an r it was called an rsj in there and it's a beam that carries the weight of of the roof of our extension um so we can have this opening and so we could, the, the wall can be strong enough to be able to stay up and when i think about that as a concept faith for me needs to be that beam that runs through our life that it's the thing that's consistent with whatever is going on so whether we're feeling good or we're feeling bad 
the beam remains strong and consistent through the middle of our lives. Whether um, we pray for something and it happens or we pray for something and it doesn't happen, the beam remains the strength that goes through the middle of our lives. Uh, Whether we have an opportunity to be fulfilled in our gifting or we feel like we've forgotten, the beam remains strong through the middle of our lives. And to me, um, that beam is the thing that we stand on in the good times and we cling to in the difficult times. And that's what faith is. And that faith is the promises of God. And, and sometimes we can we can read parts of the Bible and we can pull out promises that make sense for different situations. But the reality is one of the greatest promises of God is that he will always be with us, that he will never leave us uh, and he'll never abandon us. And when we think about that as the core thing in our lives, whatever goes on, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're feeling, uh, whether life is brilliant or it is absolutely tragic and difficult, God promises to never leave us and always be by our side. And as we read in Romans 8, nothing can separate us from that love of God. That is the foundation of how our life and our relationship with God needs to function. And that's the strength that we have the ability to build our lives on, not whether God does the thing that we want or whether we feel good all the time or whether we feel like our our gifts are being recognised. There's got to be something that is more significant and stronger in it. And, And when we can begin to live our lives that are on a daily basis, just involving God and connecting with him, then that core strength, that that beam that runs through the middle becomes a much more solid foundation for everything that we need to do rather than us feeling um, feeling anxious or nervous or, or, or struggling with different things depending on what's going on around us. So faith is a beam. We stand on it in the good times and cling to it in the hard times. So what does loving God look like? Sometimes we, we ask this question and it always seems like it's from the direction of what does it look like for God to love us? But actually, what does it look like for us to love God? And this is how we combat agenda. What, do, what are the kind of things that we need to adopt into our lives to not be driven by the agenda that we need God to do X, Y and Z in order for us to be happy? We combat it by stuff like patience. By having patience with our life, with God at times, because we don't know what he, we might not always know what he's doing. But having patience, having trust in the fact that actually whatever goes on in life, that we can come through this. And if we choose to cling to God, we can come through it better than we were before. And if you look through any challenge in your life, it doesn't matter whether like the biggest challenges in my life. I wish that the, the circumstances were different. I wish that those things never happened. So it doesn't change, doesn't make me grateful for it. And I'm glad it happened. I'm not glad it happened, but actually sometimes I go through difficult things and I've got to look at it and say, I can, I can know my story is that I can trust God even when things have gone, have gone wrong. And I know that, that he is still for me. Um, so it's patience, it's trust. Uh, maybe it's commitment and dedication. Commitment to him. Commitment to developing that relationship, to being dedicated to include him in different parts of your life. Sometimes we can look back and, and feel like we're drifting. And then actually the common denominator is maybe we, um, maybe it's not that God's gone off and, and drifted away from us. Maybe it's that, that we aren't as inclusive We're not involving him in our lives as much. And and that's one of the key things, involving him, developing a reliance on God in our lives so that actually we realise that that actually we, we can't do this effectively without him. 
we all have the ability to, to kind of pick ourselves up and carry on with life. And we all have uh, a way of being self-sufficient. It's one of my biggest flaws and faults in my life is I develop an ability to be self-sufficient all the time, fixing problems myself and, and building a strength and, a, and um, an ability just to be able to carry on in my own strength. But the problem is there's times where sometimes that's just not enough. And I realise so more often than not now that I really am I'm hindering myself and crippling myself if I don't include God in the things. So if I want to be able to do things better and be more effective in my life, including God and involving him in developing a reliance on him, a reliance on him is so the best choice. And I suppose as well, sometimes it's it's making a decision to ask for God's perspective or for, for a godly perspective on some situations. Sometimes we get so consumed with what's going on around us or what someone's said or what someone's done or, or where things might be going that we get so consumed by that that we fail to have a perspective that might be able to lift our eyes out of those situations. But maybe that kind of thing can be really helpful in not allowing ourselves to get completely caught up in something where agenda can take over. So it's patience, trust, commitment, dedication. Um, I put conversation in there, having that healthy conversation and then involving him, reliance and asking for his perspective. Those are the kind of things that love looks like in a relationship with God. If we can do those things, then we can combat um, the, the hindrance of agenda. So when agenda, when agenda strikes, it robs us of the fulfilment from that relationship. And ultimately, I suppose, it makes it all about us again. But we can trust him, can trust God. He wants connection and he wants relationship. And when we can get that bit right, we can become our best when we establish that relationship and we develop that that connection with God. Uh, And we see it as pivotal and foundational to the people that that we are. So as we've done every week, we're just going to finish with a little bit of space. So we're going to take two minutes just to consider, um, I suppose, what the Holy Spirit might be saying. Consider our relationship with God. How could agenda be spoiling that connection? What is it that you're expecting God to do for you? Uh, and what adjustments, what, um, what adjustments might we need to make uh, to, to the way we think about God? And what might the Holy Spirit want to say to us? So let's take two minutes uh, and then I'll pray to finish. Father God, we need you. Um, we know, Lord, that when we connect fully with you and we involve you in all aspects of our lives, that the potential of our lives being greater is completely transformed. And maybe it can just go even beyond what we thought was possible, that you can do amazing things with us, uh, way better than we could even imagine. Because sometimes our our agenda and our kind of list of things that we could ideally do with you doing can so easily take over and I just pray Lord that you'd help us to get that balance right that yeah we'll be people who still come to you bring things to you ask you for stuff but God that we have a healthy enough relationship where we don't throw our toys out the pram because you haven't done what we asked you to or that we um we feel like you don't love us anymore because we're not being used in the way that we needed to or we're not getting the opportunities that we thought we should do. God, I pray that you would develop our relationships with you so much that 
we function with a real strong foundation of, of knowing who you are, that you are, you love us, that you want connection with us uh, and that you'll never leave us. Um, God, I just pray that we would be strengthened by that and that faith becomes that beam that completely um, runs through the middle of our lives and strengthens us. So um, just keep nudging us this week um, and reminding us of the things that, that we can check in ourselves in order to be even better at doing this stuff. So just keep speaking to us and keep shaping us, God. Amen.